real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is the 27th of January, 2020. This month is almost gone. That was pretty quick, wasn't it? And we have a lot to talk about, as always, live 12 to 2, Monday through Friday. And what are we going to talk about today? So I want to talk about Pompeo because you all know that I love Pompeo and the smackdown he gave to NPR was well warranted. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about Libya and Turkey. So Turkey's a very big problem. I told you guys back in 2018 that any war that sparks, you can see the heat map is on the eastern Mediterranean. And even though Iran, 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 missiles, Iran, everything, the heat map for where it will spark is the eastern Mediterranean. And throughout all of 2019, it's been escalating and escalating and has come to that point. Now, um... We did have the meetings with Netanyahu, uh, with um, the uh, Egyptian counterparts as well, with our Secretary of State, uh, Cyprus and Greece. And now Greece has taken the lead and actually invited last week General Haftar of uh, the Libyan uh, National Army, uh, which is the legitimate Libyan army. Uh, the GNA is the only, uh, only, you know, that little part of Libya, Tripoli, that's acknowledged only only by the UN. So the EU actually had a discussion on that and that kind of, well, we'll talk about it and analyze it. Uh, we also have the continuation of this impeachment hoax. And like I said, when, <laughs> when they were coming in on it, the way you're going to know who the rhinos are, you're going to know who's really blue pretending to be red, who's corrupt and who's part of the swamp is the ones that are asking for witnesses. Those that are saying we need witnesses. The bottom line is, hey, how's Democrats? You did this on a partisan way. You had so much evidence that you immediately passed bogus articles of impeachment. OK, then. Well, then. We don't need any more witnesses. You had more than enough so you can pass the articles of impeachment. Let that stand. Let let us merit that. Right. That's what we need to do. We need to bring that into the trial. No more. No less. No Boltons. No witnesses. No new documents. Just that. That was enough to impeach him in the House. It has to be enough to impeach him in the Senate. That's the way it goes. You can't beef it up and add whatever perfume you want. I need this done by the end of the week. I don't want my president heading into the state of the union looking like a chump with that clown standing be behind him and all those idiots uh, in the house in front of him mocking him and saying, hey, chump. No, not having it. It's going to end and it's going to end this week. And what we need to make sure is that we have no witnesses, no new documents. You guys were confident. That's it. Let's go. No more stuff. You do not have the right to do that. You can't in the middle of a court say, yeah, you know, we're going to change it a little bit and make it like this. You passed it. You're done. You passed articles of impeachment that had no crime attached. You just wanted to win the elections because we fixed the voting problem, exposed the voting problem, so you can't steal the vote, and you know you have no leg to stand on. So that's what's going on. So that's the whole shindig. Now, the only thing that'll stop them from tossing this out is more rhinos being bold enough to stand up and those with a lot of insurance and I'm talking to Romney I'm talking to Hoven I'm talking to Graham better be careful 
Now, uh, another thing is we had a helicopter crash that was bizarre, almost predicted, of, of Kobe Bryant and his daughter. God rest the souls of all of those that were lost, um, regardless of where they were at, how they were at, what kind of people they were, uh, regardless of what your opinions are. These are human beings that have now gone to meet their maker, whatever that is. Now, that's not going to be a state funeral now, is it? Mm. <laughs> I mean, everyone's chiming in on this helicopter crash. Uh, I didn't see them go nuts like this about Aaliyah. I'm just saying, and I was a really big fan back then. So, so let's start with, um, I think what we need to start with is uh, Pompeo. I want you guys to under okay, I love Pompeo. I adore him. He is perfect in every single way. He is uh, the epitome for me of the right amount of um, how do I say it? The right amount of uh, I would say eloquence. There we go. So you know what he said. You know. To uh, the um, to the reporter, um, you know, of NPR is that, you know, she lied to him. Uh, she brought him over there to talk about Iran. Right. She obviously was asking about Ukraine. And, you know, the reporter basic th- this is basic rules of journalism and decency. Um, and she violated that. Um, you know, he uh, you know, he was himself. I love it when he's himself. Remember, the only one time we saw himself being Mike Pompeo was when he was sitting down uh, with the Greeks uh, in October, right? Where he was more lax. Nobody covered it, which is great, you know, and, but we did. And, um, he was totally lax. Now this reporter is claiming, Oh my gosh, he like cursed at me so many times, uh, you know, uh, after the interview. And this is what she said on the record. And Marie Louise Kelly said he was upset because he was, she was asking him about Ukraine. Dude, you went there to talk about Iran. You went to, uh, you know, talk about Iran and he's right. He said that that was a total example of just how unhinged the media is just to get Trump. That's it. Trump and his administration have to go because they're all in trouble. That is basically it. That's where we're at, you guys. So um, here's uh, audio from the interview. Uh, Again, I love Pompeo. Take a listen. You know, I agreed to come on your show today to talk about Iran. That's what I intend to do. Uh, I know what our Ukraine policy has been now for three years of this administration. I'm proud of the work we've done. I have defended every State Department official. We've built a great team. The team that works here Sir, is doing amazing work around the world. where have you defended Marie Ivanovich? I've defended every single person on this team. I've done what's right for every Can single person on this team. Can you point me toward your team. remarks where you have defended Marie Ivanovich? I've said all I'm going to say today. Thank you. And that's where the interview between NPR's Mary Louise Kelly and U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo ended. What happened next, according to the journalist, is that she was ushered into another room where Pompeo unleashed a profanity-laden tirade at her. Ukraine, of course, and Marie Ivanovich's removal as the American ambassador to that country are at the center of President Trump's impeachment trial. 
Here was Kelly on her NPR show afterwards. Moments later, the same staffer who had stopped the interview reappeared, asked me to come with her, just me, no recorder, though she did not say we were off the record, nor would I have agreed. Mm -hmm. I, I was taken to the secretary's private living room where he was waiting and where he shouted at me for about the same amount of time as the interview itself had lasted. He was not happy to have been questioned about Ukraine. He asked do you think Americans care about Ukraine? He used the F word in that sentence uh, and many others. He asked if I could find Ukraine on a map. I said yes. He called out for his aides to bring him a map of the world with no writing, no countries marked. Huh. I pointed to Ukraine. He put the map away. He said people will hear about this. Uh, and then he turned and said he had things to do. And I thanked him again for his time and left. No so here's the thing. We have an impeachment trial going, and this woman wanted to catch a hot mic from the Secretary of State, specifically Pompeo. You're not going to catch a cat, you know, when, when, when you're not smart and when you're playing for the wrong team. And when people are asking about Yovanovitch, it drives me insane. This woman sucked at her job, right? She was stymieing... Um, the prosecutor general's office from the Ukraine to meet with the Department of Justice here in the U.S. She was not allowing visas, and she was openly saying, wait, 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 they're going to impeach him. Don't do anything. You don't need to respond to anything that the administration is asking you because he's going to get impeached. Who does she think she is? I've said this before. I wrote an article saying she wants to play gatekeeper, right? She's not the gatekeeper. Her job is to deal and represent, supposedly, the United States in Ukraine. She wasn't doing that. She was representing the people she works for, and that is not the American people. She should have been fired a long, long time ago. And, you know, no one complained when Obama fired all of them and replaced them with his own, right? But now, because she's fired... And all this money is coming. Well, where's 4.5 billion U.S. federal tax dollars that you've funneled through this country back into your pockets, clowns? Where is it? You're giving it in the form of aid. Where is it? I can name blimps, M16s. We've paid for that. How are they using scrap metal when our tax dollars, $4.5 billion and then some, have gone through the Ukraine? Like, come on. And they're going to sit there and they're going to play dumb. These people are fighting for their lives, specifically Adam Schiff. We'll get to him later in the show. But what Pompeo did was perfect. Uh, you know, she's really lucky he did it in private. I would have done it right then and there. This is why I say I shouldn't be in a position of public office because I'll be straightforward. The F word would have been every other word just for her to try to do that. You called me there to talk Iran. You're throwing in Ukraine and Yovanovitch. She's fired. It's over. And she was like, well, you're supposed to be doing. Well, let me see if this clip ha has it. And then I'll tell you. Here you go. Ms. Kelly says that, contrary to Pompeo's statement, she had informed his staff in advance of the interview that she intended to ask him questions about both Iran and Ukraine. The State Department didn't immediately respond to a Reuters request for comment. The NPR interview happened the same day that an April 18 audio recording surfaced, a recording that would appear to show U.S. President Donald Trump instructing a small group of associates to remove Ambassador Yovanovitch from her post a year before it happened. Uh, okay, a year before she was fired, he said, fire her. Why?
because we were investigating everything, investigating the Bidens, investigating Pelosi and her son, Romney, Schiff, Pasternak, everything and their mother that's connected, Obama, to Ukraine and our federal tax dollars, 4.5 billion U.S. dollars we've been investigating since 2017. So for them to come out and say, you're just, you know, doing this to Biden because he's your political opponent. First of all, Biden, not really an opponent, okay? This guy can run and lose the race all on his own. He doesn't need even help. He's such a loser. He's a loser. And this is why Barack Hussein Obama wouldn't uh, vet him because he was worried that that'll all come out and tie back to him. Don't worry, Hussein. We're impeaching you. So here's where we're at. They're admitting that he wanted her fired from 2018. She was fired in 2019, but it was all because they want to get Biden because he's a political opponent. Stop. Biden threw his hat in the race, April 25th, 2019. So a year prior to that, he was investigating the Bidens, wanted the ambassador out, yet he was doing it because political opponent. Why can't anyone in the mainstream media put that simple fact together? If it was about getting Joe Biden and, you know, oh, political this, then why was he investigating and why was he removing people or wanted to remove people? And people were like, we can't do it that fast. Over a year before Biden even announced he was running. Oh, but, you know, those are facts. Facts that nobody cares to put together. Wait, so what you're saying is uh, Joe Biden announced he's running April 25th, 2019, Trump was investigating in 2018 in April. In April, they have a recording from 2018 saying fire Yovanovitch, but, you know, he wanted to take Biden out. Are you kidding? Like, is this reality? Common sense, you know, common sense. Those two are just simple facts that negate any statement these clowns are making, any statement. Group gathering included Lev Parnas, a former ally of Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. Trump has long denied that he ever knew Parnas, who later turned against Giuliani. Uh, I don't know him at all. Don't know what he's about. Don't know where he comes from. Parnas's lawyer says his client found a digital recording of the comments after ABC News first reported on the story Friday and sent it to the House Intelligence Committee. On it, the Ukrainian-American businessman appears to say the ambassador has been telling people the president will eventually get himself impeached. A voice that sounds like Trump that responds, quote, get rid of her and take her out. I have not heard the tape. When asked, Vice President Mike Pence, who had not heard the recording, told media it would simply show the president exercising his authority to appoint and dismiss diplomats. Huh. Yeah, let's not talk about Pence. His One of his favorite staffer died. Nobody knows. Suicide, murder, it's just dead. From Iowa this weekend, uh, Pence will sorely miss that guy. And, you know, he didn't get a handshake from, uh, you know, <laughs> Prince Charles. Totally blanked him because he didn't do his job. Right, Pence? You didn't do your job. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Mm. I can't wait till he's out. So... This is all what happened with uh, Secretary Pompeo this weekend. They tried to get a hot mic, fluffy woman. It's like those, you know what, guys? Okay, so I'm going to tell you this. I was with customer service, and so my phone, I, 
I had just bought a brand new phone and it was uh, a motherboard issue from the manufacturer. So they were like, all right, here's what you're going to do. You're going to send it to us with this label and then we'll send you a new one back. And I'm like, so what do I do for 10 days with no phone? Yeah, sorry. I was like, this is effing ridiculous. That's your first warning. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these people should not be in customer service. And that journalist shouldn't be in journalism if she can't take the heat. It's like people are made of glass. It annoys the heck out of me when someone says, yeah, I don't need, dude, I just spent $900 on a phone per se. Right. And you know, it's broken. It's broke. Actually, I did a trade in, so I only paid like a hundred something. <laughs> but regardless, it was broken. It's supposed to be brand new. It's supposed to be working, right? So when they tell you these things, like you know, uh, you know, I understand. No, you don't understand. I still have to pay my bill, and I won't have any phone calls because I don't have a phone because you want me to mail it to you, and then you're going to send me another one. That's stupid. Mm, that's another warning. Okay, so stupid's on the list of cuss words too. That's, mm, this is where we're at. Not only in customer service, because, you know, they're all not from America, right? Not from America. Don't understand the nuances. They come from places where, you know, raping children is normal in India, right? You can abuse children because it's okay. They don't sell them for money, but you can abuse them. But then they're going to educate you on how you should be speaking, right? Or how, how you're supposed to be saying things. And then they're going to educate you on, you know, how things are supposed to work because they're from India and they rent corners. And why am I saying this? Kelly had gone on and did this amazing report uh, on how the middle class in India, well, she helped put it together, uh, was by far better than the middle class in the U.S. And I'm like, why is she doing, you know, national public radio that we pay? I think we need to stop paying NPR and PBS. I really do. We don't need any, you know, government sponsored television anymore. Because these people aren't governments. They, I, my taxes shouldn't be paying for segments like that. My taxes should not be paying for people sitting up there asking to remove the president, harm to the president, harm to our nation. It needs to just go. It just needs to go. It's just, it's gone. It needs to, to be to be gone, like Planned Parenthood. We shouldn't be paying for these things. If you can't be impartial, then you shouldn't be taking my federal tax dollars. That's the way it is. Kind of like universities. If you don't allow NRA groups, you shouldn't be getting federal tax dollars. That's part of our, you know, uh, constitutional rights. If you can't have groups that are pro-life, but you can have pro-abortion, then you don't need our federal tax dollars to keep your doors open. That's how it is. If you're, you know, a public school for elementary or whatever, and, and you're training children to go out and pretend they're refugees so you can grandstand for the TV or go and protest, then you don't need my money. You're supposed to be there to educate the kids. That's how it is. We have to be very careful who we fund with our tax dollars. And USAID is one of the biggest washing machines, right? I've written tons of articles like that. This is how they get away with it. All you have to do is go to the USAID, like Google USAID, you know, audit, financials. You'll see they haven't been able to balance their books in over 10 years saying, yeah, there's a lot of cash moving and properties. What the, what, what's going on? What do you mean properties? 
I thought we were giving them pillows and blankets. I thought we were giving them guns. What do you mean by property? What do you mean by cash? What are we paying in cash? And if you read all the USA, we promote democratic values. No, we don't. We're supposed to be there and give humanitarian aid. We're not supposed to tell people how to run their country. Because the minute you start telling people how to run their country, it opens up for other people to come and tell you how to run yours. That's the thing. So... uh, uh, Another thing that we should um, kind of get into is the fact that uh, how do how do we how do we put it? Libya, um, Libya visited. Well, Haftar visited uh, Greece. So that was a very big deal. Um, we had Mitsotakis, uh, the prime minister, who actually sat down uh, with uh, President Trump last week. Uh, he was actually, um, he was on Bloomberg and he talked about what the EU did in regards to the Turkey-Libya Lib- deal. Marcus. Oops, sorry. Libya deal. That was a very big deal. I mean, General Haftar looked really uncomfortable going to Greece. Um, he actually went there and met with them in Athens uh, last Friday uh, on the 17th uh, to counter Turkey support. Now, he is the, he, that's General Khalifa Haftar, and he met with Nikos uh, Dendias, uh, who is the Greek foreign minister, and then with the prime minister. Now, let me just give a recap for those that are new to the Tory show or missed the Libya episodes. But again, uh, Tripoli, which is like one specific city, right? One little area of Libya is controlled by the United Nations. The United Nations have provided the right to Turkey to be the foster military for that area of Libya, this little town. It's like a little dot, Right. And so that is where Turkey is providing weapons, allowed ships, planes, missiles, everything to go. The rest of Libya is actually run. Uh, their military is uh, under the direction of General Haftar. And that is called the Libyan National Army, which is recognized by all the Arab nations, Egypt, Israel, um, European nations like Greece. Remember, Greece expelled the ambassador of Tripoli. They expelled them. So did Cyprus. So all of these nations, even the United States, are recognizing General Khalifa Haftar. But the United Nation is not. They're saying that's not a legitimate army. Here's where the problem is. The, the fact that um, the the GNA, which is not the Libyan National Army, the, the one that the UN backs, uh, is now um, giving Qatar and um, Turkey uh, full control of that area of Libya means that Turkey has full access to Libyan waters, according to the UN, right? According to the UN, to travel through and through as if it's their own. And remember, in 2018, we had great issues with actual Turkey taking over and being very aggressive in Cyprus's waters and in common waters of Greece and Cyprus for drilling oil. Now that this thing with Libya has come up, they get to travel freely through the Eastern Mediterranean and not a lot of people are happy. Egypt's unhappy. Greece is unhappy. Cyprus is unhappy. Israel 
Israel is unhappy. Syria is unhappy. Russia is unhappy. The only person happy is Turkey because they're like, it doesn't matter. This water's ours anyway. And it's like, uh, no, it's not. And they keep insisting that it is. Um, now, after meeting with Haftar, uh, the um, foreign minister, uh, Nico Zendias, actually spoke. I want you to take a listen to what he said. Ενθαρρύναμε το στρατάρχη να μετάσχει με επικοδομητικό πνεύμα στην διαδικασία του Βερολίνου. Uh, he says that we promoted and we supported General Haftar to participate in the Berlin Conference in regards to the Libyan issue. Και να επιχειρήσει μέσα στο πλαίσιο των συνθήκων να πετύχει και την κατάπαυση του πυρός and to work within the guidelines that they set correctly to not only stop, uh, you know, um, war firing. Και την αποκατάσταση της ασφάλειας στην Λιβύη, την απομάκρυση. And to ensure uh, security in Libya. Των μισθοφόρων. And to ensure that you can, uh, you know, remove all the mercenaries, which we call terrorists. Την αναγνώριση της ακυρότητας των παράνομων μνημονίων and um, to cancel out any uh, laws or impositions that are illegal to the state of Libya by external parties, i.e. the UN. So that is what was said. When we come back, we'll listen to what the Greek prime minister said about the EU and what the EU decided to do with the Turkey-Libya situation. Because remember, Turkey in the Mediterranean means Turkey having access everywhere, which means Qatar has access everywhere, which means the Taliban have access everywhere. Remember, Taliban headquarters, Qatar. See you in a bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So we're going to continue uh, from previous to the break to listen to what um, Mitsotakis, uh, the Prime Minister of Greece, said in regards to the U.S.-EU trade pact and how the Turkey-Libya deal is just completely unacceptable. And I know you've got a lot to say on it. Are you as pragmatic as the Dutch Prime Minister about dealing with the United States and ultimately coming to some kind of trade truce? Yes, I am, and I was happy to hear the comments made by the U.S. President here in Davos that he is looking to have a you know, quick negotiation with uh, uh, Europe to, complete a, uh, to conclude a trade deal as soon as possible. I heard the um, President of the Commission, who we should uh, inform the U.S. public, is negotiating on behalf of all European countries, say that we could get a, a deal done in, in weeks. I don't know if it's going to be weeks or months, but I think that the ingredients are here uh, for a deal that's going to be a win-win um, uh, solution. Well, for let's both compare blocks. and contrast the comments on Tuesday from the administration, softer, Wednesday, a whole lot harder. Not just from the president, who basically said that Europe in some ways is worse than China on trade, but also from the secretary, Mnuchin, Stephen mm -hmm. Mnuchin, essentially saying that if you arbitrarily put a tax on digital companies, we'll arbitrarily put them on auto companies as well. I just wonder, your take, whether some European officials are being slightly naive about what could be coming down the road to them, exactly. them a little exactly. bit later this year. Well, I'm fully aware that this is not going to be an easy negotiation, but I still believe that it is in the interest of both uh, trading blocs uh, to reach an agreement as soon as possible. 
And I think as we also enter uh, an electoral year in the U.S., and to the extent that trade seems to be the major concern as far as uh, global growth is, uh, uh, is concerned, uh, I think that uh, we, we see the world through, I think, a relatively um, a similar uh, prism, yeah. and I think that an agreement will be reached. But this is important. There's been bonds broken with China, but mm-hmm. China is distant and very much on the other side of the world. There are many relationships here. Just as an example, Matthew Prince of Cloudflare, of course, making a huge splash in Davos with his new piano bar, married at Mykonos. We had a surveillance wedding. Are you wedding. promoting a piano bar? No, I'm, pr- I'm promoting, promoting tourism. Marriages. You're promoting marriages in, uh, Greece. in Mykonos. No, I'm yeah. promoting not tourism. Just but yeah. tourism. Wait, I'm promoting tourism among all these nations in a much closer link across the Atlantic than in China. We had a... All right. Okay. Did you guys hear what he was doing? This is an underlying threat. So President Trump was right to say that the EU is harder to trade with than China. See, uh, we're only one ocean away from China on the West Coast. So I don't know if he just thinks America's on the East Coast, but they're also on the West Coast. So that's number one. Number two, the EU is a problem because they have their own internal problems. So what he was trying to say is, you know, we're doing this. We have cloud flare. Right. Uh, Hillary Clinton. Whenever I hear that name of the company, all I think of is the Clinton Foundation. And I'm saying this now. That'll be coming out in about 2021. Uh, we really need to unseal Epstein. Really, we do. But um, that was an underlying threat. Yeah. So you're promoting tourism. Yeah, I'm promoting tourism from these countries that are closer and better. So you're saying, oh, we should only look and, and demand and try our best and maybe lower our our standards because we have relationships. That's not how it works. You guys can Gestapo the crap out of the EU. We won't be Gestapo. You won't be importing U.S. products and paying, you know, zero tariff, whereas, you know, importing and tariffing them. But then when we take yours, we don't tariff you. That's not the way it works. It needs to be fair trade. And we all know that the minute the EU, the economic zone in the EU was set, countries went bankrupt, bankrupt. They were paying people to change their farming. You know, they took over waters that weren't there. The Danes were fishing in England's waters. So people that were fishermen there for 300, you know, years, you know, in their family for so many generations were suddenly told, yeah, I can't fish here anymore. Those waters belong to Denmark. And it's like, um, it's the shores of England. What you talking about, mate? Yep. That's what the EU did. We, they are the most corrupt because this is how this socialism, voluntary communism happens. They take away your rights. They take away your sovereignty and make it one nation. And, you know, that's slowly coming into play on other things. But this was an underlying threat. How could you say that? How can you side with someone that says that when we're like all, you know, in the same boat? We have our own, you know, tourism that's so close. Like, why would you agree with Trump? surveillance wedding in Greece that we all survived over the last 18 months as well. Do we risk, Prime Minister, breaking those cultural and social relationships 
with a trade war well, with that America. Is why, that is why I'm, I, I was always very concerned about this issue, and that's why I remain cautiously optimistic. I, I studied in the, U, in the U.S., I know the U.S. very well, and I'm fully aware that you know, what unites us goes beyond the common economic interests. There is a, you know, a, a, a bond of fundamental values of, yeah. of democracies. I mean, Greece, uh, look at Greece, we'll be celebrating 200 years since our war of independence in 1821, uh, a, a war that was inspired by the founding fathers. So let's look at the big picture. Uh, understand what unites us is much more than uh, than what separates us. And if we have to both back off a little bit from maximalism, well, do you approaches, sense that from the president of the United States? Is he being too adversarial in initiating these discussions? Look, when I when I saw him at the White House, I encouraged him to get a deal done with uh, with Europe. And again, I will, uh, you know, I, I listened to his comments uh, here in Davos, and I think the general perception is that we're in a good path. Well, let's talk about the perception of Europe, politically speaking. I, I live in New York alongside mm -hmm. Tom. We used to live in the same building as well. We don't. We're not in anymore. speaking terms anymore, so it doesn't work out. We'll move on from that very quickly. No marriage. I will say, though, <laughs> I hope not. I will say, though, <laughs> that the perception of Europe is that it's full of socialists. It's full of left-wing no, politicians. That's very wrong. And we're going to get yeah. to that in a moment. It's full of left-wing politicians that don't want to do business, are only interested in barriers to entry, and put in a big brick rule around the block. Mm -hmm. Centre-right politics, the future well, of that in Europe. What well, is we it? Want, we want on a centre-right um, uh, agenda. Yep. Liberal reforms, reducing taxes... Um, deregulation, an inclusive economy. We've got 40%. We have an absolute majority. We beat the populace of the left and the right at their own game. And I think this sends a very positive signal that uh, traditional center-right parties uh, in Europe, provided they have the right agenda, mm -hmm. can actually win elections. They can beat the populace and certainly can beat the rhetoric of, of the left, which in right. Greece essentially led us to a second crisis. In my many conversations with Greek leadership of another time and place pre-crisis, there was a belief that if Greece could right its ship, the money would come back from those abroad of mm -hmm. Greece. Is that occurring? Do you see a new confidence where the money's actually coming back to Greece? It is coming back. Uh, it's coming back uh, you know, by, by Greeks who live abroad. It's coming back by Greeks who've decided to invest in, Greeks, in Greece. But it's also coming you know, from foreign investors who for the first time look at Greece and say, hey, we have a convincing investment uh, thesis yeah. here. And, and as you know, markets have been very good with Greece since we got elected. Look at our bond yields. They're Excuse actually me. They've not been very good. They've been a miracle. Our Matthew Winkler has documented. I believe it is a miracle. One seventy-five right? on tens, I believe, at the moment, just uh, as we speak. Actually, probably lower than that. Yeah, uh, but uh, lower than Italy on uh, on many days. But it, it does make sense. We have a stable government. We don't have elections for three and a half years. We have an absolute majority. Um, we're delivering on real reforms. So why wouldn't it happen? The fast money's come back. And I overheard a brief conversation, and I'm sure you mm -hmm. won't mind me sharing, an investor saying to you, you are a legend of the hedge fund community. Well, that's kind of them to say. Best yeah. performing equity market in the mm -hmm. world, I believe, last year. Mm -hmm. Fantastic amount of money. But you know the conviction level to put money into a market is a whole lot lower than it takes to put money into the ground to build a factory and to start investing in well, the country. That's again. why we focus so much on deregulation, on addressing issues such as bureaucracy licensing. If you look at, for example, what's happening in real estate, real estate is real money on the ground. Um, uh, real estate prices are up by 11% in 2019. I expect a similar tr trend in 2020. You look at big emblematic investments such as the old airport yep. uh, in Alinicon, it's been unblocked. So what I find very interesting is that uh, you know, real companies are putting real money uh, on the ground. Some of the big tech companies in the U.S. are interested in Greece. We have Pfizer setting up uh, you know, an AI center in Greece just taking advantage of the incredible amount of talent. That Pfizer. Pfizer. Ph Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. Setting it up, setting up 
artificial intelligence in Greece. Wait a minute. Okay, wait. So artificial intelligence pharmaceuticals. Molecular tagging maybe? That we have in the country. So this is not just about tourism. It's not just about the sun or the beaches. It's about, you know, a country that is moving out of a crisis at a very fast pace. You got some big targets. 100 billion euros of direct investment. Well, uh, that is the maximum we can get. But well, let's talk about uh, time frame. How quickly do you think you can get that kind of well, investment well, into the we need, we, need, we need that over seven to eight years, uh, uh, but we still have a significant capital gap to bridge, and that mm-hmm. is my main concern, how to get foreign direct investment in the country. Yep. It is already happening. It will continue to happen right. for 2020, and I'm quite optimistic about it. Uh, Prime Minister, in the time that we have left with you, your family is the one of the heritage of Greece well back into mm-hmm. the 20th century. You have seen many turkeys to the east. Explain to us now, how you perceive the new Mr. Erdogan. He, it's, it's been a changed Erdogan since 2002. How do you perceive Turkey to the east? Look, Turkey has been difficult to deal with. Um, we've um, honestly said that we want a good uh, and constructive relationship with uh, Turkey, but overall the behavior of Turkey has been uh, on the very aggressive side. They signed a deal with Libya, which is completely unacceptable to Greece regarding the delimitation of maritime zones. It's an illegal deal. That's what the European U- Union said. That's what the U.S. said. So there's a constant state of provocation that I think will lead Turkey nowhere. We want to engage with Turkey on issues such as migration, which is a big challenge for us. How it's do you a- do that when they have so many refugees and there's always this threat that they're just going to open the door and let them all pour into the European Well, first Union. of all, you can't deal with refugees by using uh, desperate people as a geopolitical wedge. Is that, what the, is that what the Turkish are doing? Well, that's what they've implied. I'm not saying they're doing it. But I'm also saying at the same time that we have an agreement as a European Union with Turkey. It can work well. It has worked well in the past. We need to stick to it. We need to update it. Uh, Mm. And we need to decouple migration from the other issues that we have. And I think we can do that. Mr. Prime Minister, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm thinking, what, Athens in February and maybe a little later. My gosh, him and his bow tie. I just can't stand watching him sometimes when he's talking. And I don't know why he still has a job. I'm sorry. Um, And I'm talking about the guys at Davos of Bloomberg, both wearing purple ties. One's a regular tie. The other one's a bow tie. Purple. How fitting. So here we are where, you know, Greece has explained their position. Greece has explained what they're doing. But within that conversation, we saw a lot of stuff. Did that make you cock your head? Um, China has put in a lot of direct investment into Greece, and this is why they're targeting Greece on these questions. Why are you working with China? And why are you supporting President Trump? And, uh, you know, why are you supporting, uh, you know, the Libyan National Army? Uh, Why are you doing this? And in his discussions about trying to bridge the gap, how much money he needs to bring in, what he needs to do, how there needs to he's also letting you know that pharmaceutical companies are now creating artificial intelligence centers. And you have to think, why would pharmaceutical companies do that? It's kind of like Monsanto, you know, buying a pharmaceutical company. We all sat there and thought GMO foods, pharmaceuticals. Oh, no, we're screwed. Yes. These are the little hints. They tell you what they're doing, you know, and they will let you know what they're doing in a sidebar conversation. They never directly tell you that this is happening or this is what they're doing. This is a big deal. And a lot of people miss that. Think about it. A pharmaceutical company creating an artificial intelligence center. Mm. Not a big deal, is it? So we're going to be seeing a lot happening with Turkey. Like he said, they're just really, really aggressive. And this is not going to work for them because they're the ones that train and fund and 
you know, arm mercenaries. And that's a very big deal, a very big deal. So shifting gears from foreign policy, uh, I'm not going to talk about uh, the attacks in Baghdad yet. Uh, There's a lot coming out from that um, and what's going on. Uh, There's uh, more stuff in the pipeline in regards to the Taliban and um, Turkey's on the spotlight. We've got Al-Shabaab moving in. Oh, and speaking of Al-Shabaab, Ilhan Omar. So Laura Loomer had broken stories and I brought you the story where, you know, she went to North Dakota State University and lied on her documentation. She lived as a married woman, but who was she living with? Was she living with her husband of culture or was she living with her husband on paper that didn't happen yet? Which one was it? Who was she living with on family in family housing? So I broke that story to you guys over a year and a half ago. It was actually 2018, right? That I broke that. So it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out because now the FBI is actually investigating that she married her brother because I told you it's not her brother. That's not her real name. Her Al-Shabaab Qatar ties are coming faster than anything, faster than anything because this is how uh, Hisra happens. You infiltrate and you spread. Ilhan Omar is toast. And like I said, it's going to come when we need it. When she's on the ballot and she gets removed post-primary, and that's it. No more Ilhan Omar. Who's going to write in who? No one's going to know. Not enough time to campaign. Minnesota is suddenly red. See, this is how you do it. And the thing is, are you going to prove that the FBI slow walked it in order for her to be removed and the Democrats not have someone in there? No, they're behind. This is all BS. She's not under investigation. So if it just so happens at that time, be like, you know, we wanted to make sure everything was right before we broke the news and arrested her. So that's how it goes. You see what I mean? And it all comes as it is. Remember, I've always said that justice always comes in on a donkey. Injustice comes in with a Ferrari, right? But justice on a donkey. Slowly but surely, and then that's it. It's like boom time. So um, what else? Something else that we should say is that there was a report uh, a while back about um, Joe Biden and uh, his uh, money that was stolen from the federal treasury um, where he moved it to Rosemont Seneca. I talked about Rosemont a bit. We saw that the shipping companies that they uh, were involved in, trucking companies have been shut down and people have been arrested. But now it's supposedly this money went there for bank mailouts and then to, to Biden's account in the Caymans. There's a report by OAN that I want to play. Simple, small clip. Take a listen. Joining us this hour, I'm Jennifer Franco. A new report reveals more evidence of corruption by Hunter and Joe Biden. According to the Washington Examiner, today investment firm Rosemont Capital received $130 million in federal loans during Joe Biden's tenure as vice president. The money was routed from the U.S. Treasury through an offshore in the Cayman Islands and reportedly went to the company for the purpose of bailing out struggling banks. Rosemont Capital represented Hunter Biden in his Ukraine dealings, allegedly receiving multi-billion dollar payments from the energy company Burisma. That report suggests that the Bidens used bailouts for personal gain while ordinary Americans were going bankrupt. Joining us this hour, I'm Jennifer Franco. A new report reveals... 
So remember uh, over a year and a half ago, I have been saying for years now, you just got to trust it. You got to be patient. You got to trust it. And I've said it many times, that just like every single one of you that email me, text me, DM me, you know, I'm there with you. I am as impatient as like, guys, seriously, in my personal life, when I want something done, it's like I wanted it done yesterday. So I am completely impatient. Okay. Completely impatient. So I get it. But what you need to understand is that things have to happen the right way. And what else does Tori say always? What is what? What else does the Tori says show always say, right? We need to make them pull their own pants down. So this call, remember when the Ukrainian call happened? I said it was a setup. It was a trap for them. Yes, it was. And other people are now saying it too. And what if I told you that all of this was done? So not only can they fall into the traps and we could see them running for their lives because Schiff's got a lot to run, right? He's got a lot. He's going down for dealings with the Ukraine, signing off money, money laundering, child abuse, child rape. You know, they, they raided Ed Buck's house. They still have that video from the standard. I wrote a whole article about that. He is shifting his pants and he should. That's why he's so adamant. This is why they're so insane because they're all going down, all of them. But how do you do this? You need to let them pull their own pants down. How do you find out which one of the Republicans are still snakes? Which one of them are insured? Which one of them you cannot trust? Like Romney, like Hoven, like, 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 like Graham, like, like, let's keep adding it to it because there's at least seven. So think how... Do you do it by letting them pull their pants down? Do you think that that guy, you know, the clown, the rhino is just going to come out and say, yep, I hate him. With the exception of Romney, because his son Tag is in a lot of trouble from election fraud machines that they've been investing in to the Ukraine. We got stuff. All right. Done. Except for Romney, all the others. How would you know? They they play the whole I'm, I'm social Republican. I'm a good guy. Listen to me. How would you know? You do this. You go through an impeachment trial. And then you see who says, well, let's help the Democrats out by bringing in more witnesses. And we're going we gonna to interview Hunter Biden. Really? He's going to plead the fifth. Because if I was Hunter, I'd be like, yo, I'm in a lot of lawsuits right now. According to counsel, I shouldn't answer that question. What are you going to do? Make him answer the question? You can't. And so it's going to be moot. Like, why are you going to bring him? The bottom line is, this is how you do it. I said it. Let them pull their own pants down. Let them do it. And we have to be patient because that's the way you get things done. Letting them pull their own pants down. It's glorious. It's fabulous. It's amazing. Because here is where we're going to see who stands where and what they say. That's how you do it. Remember, these trial rules have the following that, you know, uh, they have 24 hours total across two days to talk, right? That's the trial rules for the sides, right? And then uh, um, from uh, um, under a lot of pressure, um, moderate Republicans said 24 hours across three days. They wanted to extend it. Moderate Republicans, that's what they call it, moderate, which means they could be swampy creatures and could not be. So, you know, you got to throw in some of the good guys to entice the bad guys so they can expose themselves. Then there's House impeachment investigation is admitted as evidence. So whatever they did in their investigation is admitted as evidence. Anything they had that, you know, passed the articles of impeachment 
is now considered evidence, just what they have, and that is it. So then we go into these initial trial stages. So we have the opening presentations, the senators' written questions, right? Voting on witnesses or additional evidence. Ah, this is where we're going to have them come out. This is where the snakes will rear their heads. That is how we do it. That is how we do it. This is supposedly a way to set up a fair structure, right? Um, that's how it does it, by having a fair structure. We shouldn't call new witnesses. We should have the same ones they had. Mitch McConnell made it clear. Take a listen. That was echoed by President Trump's personal attorney, Jay Sekulow. So we believe that what Senator McConnell has put forward provides due process, allows the proceedings to move forward in an orderly fashion, in 1999, at this stage of President Clinton's impeachment, senators approved the process 100 to 0. This time, the vote's expected to be partisan. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer accused Republicans of manipulating the Clinton trial rules. Now, Leader McConnell has just said he wants to go by the Clinton rules. Then why did he change them in four important ways at minimum to all make the trial less transparent less clear and with less evidence. Ms. Duckworth. Why do we need more evidence? Didn't they have enough to impeach him, right? They had enough. They passed that through real quick, super partisan, but they had enough. Remember how Pelosi said, well, if it's not bipartisan, it's not going to go forward. Totally not bipartisan, still went forward. Totally no criminal laws, still went forward. Remember, you got to have Title 18 something there. You got Title Zero, nothing, nada, zilch. Democrats tried but failed to amend McConnell's rules to allow senators to subpoena administration documents and interview witnesses blocked from House investigators. We are ready. The House calls John Bolton. The House calls John Bolton. The House calls Mick Mulvaney. Let's get this trial started, shall we? We are ready to present our case. President Trump's impeachment was the fastest in history, and Republicans accused Democrats of a rush to judgment against a president they always wanted impeached. They're not here to steal one election. They're here to steal two elections. It's buried in the small print of their ridiculous articles of impeachment. They want to remove the President Trump from the ballot. The trial's jurors are the hundred members of the Senate. It would take two-thirds of them to convict and remove the president from office. They cannot speak inside the trial, so they visited microphones outside. Democrats said the Senate should hear witnesses who didn't testify under oath to the House and might criticize President Trump. And I haven't seen anyone under oath who's defended him. A lot of people have defended him not under oath. But let's put some people under oath, see how they do. Most Republicans criticized the House of Representatives' investigation and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Because we're going to be fair. We're going to do our job. Um. Here's how they do their job. Don't let them bring new witnesses. No more new documents. You had your time to do it, House. You wanted to do it speedy and quick, speedy deletion. <laughs> it's our turn now. So here's where we're going to see it. Who are going to be the ones that are going to walk over to the other side and say, well, under the guise of, we just need evidence. No, they had enough evidence. They had time to do the evidence. They didn't do it. It's on them. Now, after the break, we'll continue with this. We got some juicy stuff on Schiff coming. So it'll be a nice little Schiff expose-ish. I'll see you all in a bit.
Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I am your host, Tori. So this is the second hour, and we have got impeachment and Adam Schiff to talk about. But before we do, I just want to play a little clip because I'm pretty sure what I heard. And, uh, you know, L.A. Lakers, L.A. N-words. What did you hear? Because she said she said Nakers. Um, I want you guys to take a listen to this, please, and tell me what you heard. Perfectly cast on the Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers. Kavita, if I could ask you to stay with us, we're going to perfectly cast on the Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers. Kavita, if I could ask you to stay with us, we're going to perfectly. Yep, that's how quick you get out of your job, or is Allison Morris still employed with MSNBC? Uh, you know, she said that. She tried to say no, no, no. Unfortunately, her tweet says earlier today, while reporting on the tragic news of Kobe Bryant's passing, I unfortunately stuttered on air, combining the names of the Knicks and the Lakers to say Nickers. Uh, please know I did not and would never use a racist term. I apologize. See, isn't it always them that make the rest? racist comments even uh you know don lemon who's kind of black <laughs> he's limp-wristed black guy uh who pretends to be um black right but hates black people married or dating god knows what he's doing i don't know i'm not in his business you know the same guy that had an affair with jesse smollett and the guy that was texting jesse smollett when jesse smollett was so distraught over being attacked by people wearing maga hats and saying maga country at 2 a.m in chicago while he went to subway to get a sandwich remember that that hoax yeah that hoax. Where's Avenatti again? Oh, he's in jail. Wow. That's all coming to fruition, too. So you're, you, they pull their own pants down. They're really bad liars, all of them. Bad, bad, bad liars. Now, here is where we need to listen to Schumer and what he has to say about the Bolton report for the impeachment trial, which is super bizarre. Um, really bizarre because think about it. Do you think that the president of the United States would allow Bolton? Yeah, go ahead. You can write a book, even though you know all our secrets and not know what he's doing. Do you guys think that a man that has had his feet and hands tied, he's been hogtied for his whole term. Do you really think that president Trump doesn't know what he's doing? This is how you catch them with their pants down when they think that you're upset, when they think they're winning. Remember, they have everything to lose. Their lives are on the line. So it's great to beef them up because when they fall, it's going to be rock hard. And that's the way it is. I mean, the president was like, I never told John Bolton the aid to the Ukraine was tied to investigations into Democrats, including the Biden. You, th <laughs> you know, one thing I've said is that I am... I don't like Bolton because he's so square. I've said that before many, many, many times. Um, he's square. He's, he's vicious. Okay, let's talk El Salvador. He's vicious. But he is, you know, that bullet in the chamber that you pull and you know things will get done. So do you think if me, who hasn't worked with or, well, directly with John Bolton, right, 
that I have this assessment on him, but the president and many others share the same, but the president who has worked with him, right, has done deals with him, has dealt with foreign policies with him, doesn't know that. So do you think that the president would not only let him go, but let him write a book, which we all know is the way we money launder money um, in the elite class. I'm just saying, you know, for all of these that I got fired book deal. I didn't get elected book deal. I was impeached book deal. I created foundations book deal. I'm just saying like book deal, book deal, book deal. But you know, what's the whole point of this? Pretty simple. The elections. They can't have President Trump a second term because the first one was putting down the foundations. The second one is bringing down the House, bringing it down hard. Listen, they say it themselves. I, but what do you say to those who say that's what exactly what the House Democrats did by not going to court to try to force subpoenas and force witnesses? We did go to court, as you know. Um, but you didn't pursue it in court. You ultimately... Ultimately, withdrew the cases and we went realized to the we had the evidence we were going to get uh, and that it was sufficient uh, to prove our case. But Wait a minute. So if the evidence is sufficient to prove your case, Zoe, then why are you guys saying that we need more evidence and more witnesses now in the Senate? Makes no sense, right? Didn't you surrender to the president stonewalling in that well, sense? In the, I guess in that sense we did, because if we had waited for three or four years, the election would be over. Uh, the, the issue would be almost moot if he, I, but what do you say to those who say, so it's all about the election. I mean, it's clear, right? It's very clear that that's the way it is. Uh, but now we see that they didn't subpoena, you know, Bolton, Pompeo, Mulvaney. They didn't because they knew that they would have to go to court and ask the court to say that the executive branch does not have executive privilege, which wouldn't happen. So this is this is something really sneaky because in the Senate, if they subpoena, you know, the judge, which is dirty himself, Roberts, because they got insurance on him. Right. Because of oh, what is it called? Hacked emails. That's what we call it now. Hacked emails. Right. We already know how, uh, you know, the chief justice of the Supreme Court was insured to make sure Obamacare goes through. Right. We already know. Yeah. We already know, John. We know everything. We know everything. So the bottom line here is what's going to happen. They're going to try to push it to be on a Senate level and skip the courts and say, well, it's court here, too, because we have a judge. Judge isn't going to want to be a part of this. He's a part of this. His stuff is going to leak. <laughs> and then you've got the impeachment of the chief justice. Oh, of the Supreme Court, kind of like an Abraham Lincoln all over again. See, we don't visit our history. We don't revisit it. So that way we have knowledge of, you know, what's going on. We have to, you know, kind of look into our history because that's where we see everything, right? Our history tells us everything we need to know, everything we need to know. All you have to do is look back. So think, what is it? What is it that they're going to try to pull? Here's Adam Schiff. Maybe this will tell you what. This, this, this little clip of Schiff, 56 seconds, tell you, tells you exactly how scared he is. Because we're going to talk about Schiff. Okay? I made the argument that it's going to require moral courage to stand up to this president. Um, and this is a wrathful and vindictive president. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And if you think there is, look at the president's tweets about me today uh, saying that I should pay a price. Um, you take 
he should pay a price. We'll get back to this one. I'll play the whole clip right after we listen to Schumer because Schumer is important right now. Schumer is very important. Gosh, doesn't he remind you of the penguin from Batman? Please tell me that there's more people out there that think that he looks like the penguin from Batman. Good morning, everybody. Now, over a month ago, we said that hearing from witnesses and reviewing documents is the bare minimum for a fair trial. Since then, redacted emails were released that said there was clear direction from the president to hold the military assistance. The GAO concluded that the president broke the law in doing so. And new information from Mr. Parnas revealed a plot to remove a U.S. ambassador. And now, according to the New York Times, Ambassador Bolton wrote in his book that he was ordered by the president to continue freezing assistance until Ukraine announced the political investigations the president was seeking, including the investigation into the Bidens. This is stunning. It goes right to the heart of the charges against the president. Ambassador Bolton essentially confirms the president committed the offenses charged in the first article of impeachment. It boils down to one thing. We have a witness with first-hand evidence of the president's actions for which he is on trial. He is ready and willing to testify. How can Senate Republicans not vote to call that witness and request his documents? Anyone, anyone who says the House case lacks eyewitnesses and then votes to prevent eyewitnesses from testifying is talking out of both sides of their mouth. Also, according to the report, several sections of Mr. Bolton's book further implicate Mr. Mulvaney. Previously, Mr. Mulvaney denied ever being on the phone when the President spoke to Rudy Giuliani. Mr. Bolton writes that Mr. Mulvaney was on the phone with Rudy and the President was discussing the removal of Ambassador Yovanovitch. Mr. Bolton's book is further evidence that a large number of people were, quote, in the loop on this scheme, as Ambassador Sondland said, and now they are all covering up. So it seems like not only is there more evidence that the President held the aid off to get a political gain and investigation, but there seems to be a giant cover-up among so many of the leading people in the White House who knew about it and said nothing about it, let alone tried to stop it. If there was ever even a shred of logic left to not hear witnesses and review the documents, Mr. Bolton's book just erased it. Ambassador Bolton's manuscript was sent to the White House over a month ago. The President ordered everyone with first-hand knowledge of his actions not to testify in the impeachment inquiry. We're all staring a White House cover-up in the face. It is so clear what's going on here. I don't need to spell it out for you. If Senate Republicans are not going to vote to call Mr. Bolton and Mr. Mulvaney and the other witnesses now, if they're not going to ask for notes and emails, they're going to be part of the cover-up too. Because we have this out in the open. 
it's up to four Senate Republicans, just four Senate Republicans, to ensure that John Bolton, Mick Mulvaney, Mr. Blair, and Mr. Duffy testify in the Senate trial. It's up to four Republicans to get the documents that surrounded their actions in those days. One final point. Of course the President denied Ambassador Bolton's account in a series of late-night tweets. Already Republicans, already some Republicans are saying, oh, this is just a he said, he said affair. Just a matter of conflicting accounts. I would remind everyone, between President Trump and Ambassador Bolton, only one of them is willing to testify in the Senate under oath. Only Mr. Bolton is willing to swear that he is telling the truth. Senator Cardin. Well, let me thank Senator Schumer uh, for outlining the, the absolute necessity for this impeachment trial to be able to hear directly from the witnesses that have the direct knowledge. I want to just go back to Saturday with the President's counsel telling us the importance to the President to be able to confront witnesses and to be able to cross-examine. Uh, what they said was in cross-examination we can find out the truth. Well, we have a different view by Ambassador Bolton in regards to what the President is saying. The only way we can discover the truth is to have uh, Ambassador Bolton testify under oath, subject to cross-examination, in order to find out the truth. The same thing's true with the other witnesses that were not permitted to testify in the House. Uh, Mr. Mulvaney has direct knowledge of the President's participation. He has made some statements uh, in the public that seem to corroborate the House manager's case. But let's hear him under oath, subject to cross-examination, to find out the truth. Under the Constitution, the Senate is the body that conducts the trial. We have some guidance from the Supreme Court in the Nixon case as to what we need to do in order to carry out that constitutional responsibility. But to have a trial, you need to hear from witnesses. You need to see the documents. Under Senate precedent, the Senate is not bound by the record established in the House. To the contrary, the Senate has its own responsibility to develop its record, its own record, and not what the and they're all nodding. The House has presented to it. So under all those circumstances, in order to be able to have a fair trial to reach a just conclusion, it's absolutely essential that we allow the witnesses to testify in the Senate, subject to cross-examination, so that we can, in fact, know the truth. Yeah, of course, right? Because we need to make our own record. Here's the precedent. The other impeachment included crimes. This one has no crimes. So your precedent is out the window. There's no, we, we don't have a crime here. We just have impeachment articles. They had enough to substantiate those impeachment articles that have no Title 18 this, Title 18 this, nothing like that. So precedent out the window. I mean, in any courtroom, I could come in and say, uh, you know, he committed a crime against me. I'm the prosecutor. He committed a crime against the state. What was the crime? He spoke, uh, you know, and said pink everything. Uh, but w what's the crime? 
that's the crime. Right. Can you cite the title of the crime? We're in criminal court. This is a criminal court. What's the crime? Yeah, uh, I told you what the crime was. Use the word pink. Uh, yeah, but which statute are you referring to? Like, give me the title. You know, give me the code. Something. Uh, th- 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 they use the word pink. And it's like, all right, it's thrown out. Shut up, prosecutor, you're out. This is what has to happen in more simple forms. There's no, well, well, let me show you how pink, saying pink is a crime. I'm going to bring more witnesses. No, 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 no. You brought this before the court. It's getting tossed out. That's it. You can't go to criminal court and say, I'm prosecuting you for what? Because you said the word pink. Okay. Where's the law? There isn't one, but I could bring tons of people and tons of documents to support why we say pink is it. Well, then go pass a law that says it. You can't take someone to trial that said the word pink and you don't like it. This is the bottom line. It's pure common sense. This cannot happen. This means you could chuck anyone, remove anyone from office because you don't like them with no laws and no crimes. The only crimes here that are being committed is that we have an impeachment trial that is actually being entertained. Because if I was McConnell, I would have been like, listen, man, I just reviewed this. It's rubbish. It's out. You've got no title codes attached. But you know what? The plan is to pull their pants down. We want to see every single clown that stands by this. We want to see every clown that says, even though there's no criminal code attached to these impeachment articles that demands that we see witnesses and documents. That's what we we need to see because this is how we totally clean up. This is how we totally clean out the party and understand that we finally have people in there representing the people. And I know John Hoven and his stupid mustache. Listen to me. And John, huh? there's a lot more coming down the pipeline for you. Because like the Democrats, people don't report their things, you know, on their filings. That's a big deal. That is a very big deal. But we're going to let it slide for now because we're just going to expose most of these clowns like this. Just like this. This Republican, that they all got to go. All of them. See, the House Republicans, the snakes like Billy Long, they're hiding because they were like, yeah, but I'm just going to side with them because the Democrats got this anyway. So they don't need a vote for me. They still got this because they had majority. We're done. But now they need two thirds. So who are the ones that are going to walk up and take their red jacket off to reveal that blue? Thank you, Senator Cordon. Senator Baldwin. Thank you. It's uh, gut check time for members of the United States Senate. Every senator took an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, and every senator needs to ask themselves whether they're going to live up to that oath in this Senate impeachment trial. Since the beginning, we have called for a full, fair, and honest trial. And since the beginning, we have called for critical documents and relevant witnesses with first-hand knowledge about President Trump's conduct. Every Senate impeachment trial in our nation's history has included witnesses, and this Senate trial should be no different. The media reports about what former National Security Advisor John Bolton would testify to go to the heart of this impeachment trial. Abuse of power, 
and obstruction of Congress. Let us not complicate this simple fact. It is obstruction of Congress for the White House to prevent John Bolton from testifying about a direct conversation he had with the President in August of 2019 that implicates the President in an abuse of power. If Ambassador Bolton... He's abusing power. He's abusing power for what? Saying that I want to know that the taxpayer dollars are going where they say they're going? You know, unlike Schiff when he uh, promoted, you know, contracts for fake blimps. Where are the blimps, man? Why is nobody talking? We need to, like, get out there and start asking Adam Schiff. Where are the freaking blimps that we paid over $150 million for? Where are the blimps? I, you, know, you know what? Hey, Department of Defense, pay me $50 million. I'll sit and think about blimps. I'll draw you nice pictures. I'll take them off the Internet and tell you how wonderful they will be, how we're going to carry elephants across the ocean, how we're going to stick people in them, how they're not going to blow up. And then I'm going to tell you how I can create a blimp that's completely incognito for surveillance, right? Because drones aren't good enough. We need big, fat, Goodyear blimps to be incognito. Give me $150 million. While you're at it, Schiff, why don't you give the country of, I don't know, Uganda $50 million so you can help their elections and give them 1,200 temporary employees and 200 and somewhat permanent employees to marshal their elections? Why are we marshaling anybody's elections? Anybody's. Could you imagine if someone from another country gave our country $50 million to help us with our elections? You'd be like, uh, mind your business. So look at all this money they've been spending. And has it been actually doing that? I mean, for the elections, I really do believe it. They paid for, you know, Seidel. They paid for the electronic voting. They paid, you know, to create that fix so they can get whatever. And, you know, this is why Biden didn't throw his hat in the race. He waited till after the Ukrainian elections to say if he's running or not. And the thing is, he didn't want to run because he knew that he was in trouble because Zelensky was coming out and he was a wild card because they couldn't fix their elections anymore because Trump was now president and he wouldn't let elections get fixed. He wouldn't be paying to get them fixed. He would have someone at the State Department saying, what do you mean you're going to a polling station in Kiev? That's not your job. So he, they knew that they couldn't fix the elections in the Ukraine. So they were hoping that they'd fix it somehow else. Biden didn't want to run. He was told he's running. He was told that in February of 2019 in Munich at a meeting. I've said this before. That's when I told you he's going to throw his hat in the race later. And lo and behold, he did. Yet we were cleaning up the Ukraine from all their corruption because every single one of these clowns have gotten dollar, dollar, paper, dollar bills in their pocket flying through, flying through outside of the carnage, 
right? Just like that passport from 9-11, unscathed from an exploded plane, floated down almost impeccably, full intact on the floor by a random passerby that just handed it to the police and said, oh, look, a passport. Oh, look, it belonged to one of the guys that blew himself up on a plane, but this passport is indestructible. Kind of like that. That's how the money flew from the Ukraine back to their pockets via Cayman, Virgin Islands, Qatar, you know, those houses they all bought in Qatar. (laughs) All of them bought houses in Qatar. Did you know that Obama, Clinton, and Soros have a house in the same neighborhood in Qatar? Yeah, we could talk about that another time. I think I mentioned that a long, long time ago. I have friends that visit Qatar often, so I get pictures. You know what I'm saying? So that's not for times now. It's not for time. But just so you know, some of the pictures that I got, I already sent to where I need to send them. So, you know, this is how you nail them. You let them expose themselves and what they want. They put up Purple Heart Vinman. He's a clown. He's anti-American. He made fun of Americans to Russians he was training. You can't be loyal. I'm sorry. You can't. I'm Greek American. And I say it. A hundred percent. I am loyal to my country, but there are times that if I was to be asked to do something that I didn't feel comfortable with, I'd have to say it. If it was like burning down a church, for example, not saying that you would, but you know, because you know, militants are there and they're like, blow up this Greek Orthodox church, this Russian Orthodox church, just any Christian church. Blow it up. I'd be like, yo, <laughs> I got to take a step back. That's what I would do. And Vinnam didn't. Vinnam is not the type that would do that at all, right? He's not. He's the type that would be pro-Russia, pro-Ukraine. And that is exactly who he's... uh, Is he still active duty? Because he should have been discharged for treason a long time ago. Now, on that note, I'm going to... I've just skipped over one commercial. I'm not going to skip over the others um, because I love playing the um, General Flynn Defense Fund ad. And I will be adding more because we got to remember... Roger Stone did nothing wrong, and that's someone we need to be throwing support behind, too. Stop. All right. Welcome back for the last half hour of the Tory Says Show. So this impeachment hoax is in full swing, and we're just going to see which side every Republican senator sits on, right? That's what we're going to see. Um, before we continue to listening to these clowns and what they have to say, I wanted all of you to pay attention, again, to who is uh, qualifying the requests for witnesses because a lot of people have been questioning as to why suddenly the New York Times has these leaks and if you read the article carefully it says that Ukraine aid uh, you know that he tied Ukraine aid to inquiries he sought Um, does he say what inquiries he sought does it tell you um, if it was specifically to Biden or was it just in general to corruption because that's the thing People need to be paying attention to detail. There's no way Bolton would allow the Democrats to railroad. This is a super trap. But see, we're way ahead of the game. We've always been way ahead of the game, haven't we, guys? But it's just so hard to see it. Uh, You know, 
Anyone who has been over the target, anyone who has said anything. Remember, okay, so I had said that Peter, I know Peter Strzok very, very well. Uh, My first actual piece on him exposed everything there is to know, and he was fired um, just like a week and a half after that. He is the one that quashed the Seth Rich by eliminating any connections. He eliminated medical records uh, from the hospital, uh, the CCTV. All of this is documented. They're done. The Seth Rich is very curious and it's going to come up. And that's the thing. If he has imaged the DNC server, uh, which he did. I'm telling you, he did. And there were many people like myself that were entrusted to pass this on to the Department of Justice around the nation, around the nation that then passed it to others and others. It's like the flu. You know, it's kind of like what they said. How many people from the State Department came from, you know, China and are sick? Did they like regulate it? Did they quarantine them? Did blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, Because it spreads really fast. Well, you know, my drives went to other people, other people replicated and replicated and replicated. So we know that at least someone got something somewhere and they were also shipped out on a international level from what I know um, to believe is true. I don't know it as a fact because I don't know the people that were all part of this huddle, but I can tell you this extended far and beyond. And to see that the law firm supposedly is asking for what? You want us to pay because we're looking out for his murder? (laughs) When you've got the FBI trying to quash it, doesn't that tell you everything you need to know? I mean, I've said it before, right? I've said it many, many times, but no one listens. And, you know, for example, Matt Couch, he got totally railroaded. It was his first time on this rodeo. And, you know, I kind of said, just ignore it. Tell him to plead the fifth. Plead the fifth. This is America. They can't force you to say or do anything. Unless they've got something criminal, they could go take a hike. The judge could say, turn it over. I don't have it. What is he going to say? You do? Unless it's criminal, they're not coming to your house, Matt. That's it. Besides the fact, you know, this is the way you have to protect yourself from people that abuse the law. They abuse the law. They abuse it. They weaponize it against average people. They're weaponizing it against the president. And here, they're weaponizing the law with no laws. I mean, how, how was it when back in the days, you know, uh, Laura Loomer was uh, reporting on Ilhan Omar. I broke the story that her name is not her name. Uh, obviously, somebody else got credit for it. I really don't care. But I know what her real name is. And it's not even what he says it is. Okay? It's not. They've got it wrong. I've got the right name and I gave it to the right people. This is why we're having a proper FBI investigation. She is tied to Al-Shabaab via Qatari money. I've said that again and again and again. Uh, You know, you're, you're crazy. Well, no, I'm not because, hey, I'll just wait it out. You're the dumb one not listening. That's the way it is. They believe that we're all dumb because we've been dumbed down. They've bombarded us with so much rubbish, we don't even know what's true anymore. And anyone, that's the bad thing, you guys. What happened to self-perception? Anyone that says anything that's contrary to what the mainstream says, they're crazy. Is that how we do it now? Trump is crazy because he wants us to, to he wants to revive the economy. What magic wand does he have? Yeah, well, look at what he did. So and so is crazy saying this. Well, 
there we are. So-and-so is crazy saying that. That's what they do. They call everyone nuts. They call them stupid conspiracy theorists, yet they're on point all the time. You know, one of the most scathing emails, I, you know, I get some hate mail guys and you know, it's, <laughs> and sometimes those are fun. Sometimes they're scary. But one of the hate mails that I had gotten was from one guy when I was talking about Venezuela in 2018, he's like, how you talk about my country? My country got no problem. My country not going to be under sanctions. My country, not this, you know, I'm just making up an accent is how I would see it. He's like, I've been living in America. I came here illegally and then they gave me papers and I did whatever. And I'm like, dude, you just sent that to me it's like forward to ice but you know he was telling me like i don't know what i'm talking about how could i say that venezuela is corrupt how can i say and then just a few months later the venezuela thing broke out and then you know obviously i responded to him and just sent him like the announcement i think it was like you know uh, during the first quarter of the year of 2019 and i was like so uh, you were saying about venezuela you know obviously he didn't respond because, see, this is what they do. When they want their narrative to be real, right, they will ignore and dismiss anything that shatters their own, you know, bubble, their reality. And so many people would just like to paint someone, you're just an Islamophobe and you don't like Ilhan. No, man, I'm telling you, she married her brother. Her brother's a gay guy. For being a Muslim, he'd be chucked off the roof. Uh, not really her brother. Why would, why would Lutheran Social Services split her and her brother up? Why would he go to the UK and she come to the US? Oh, they only had so many opening spots? Shut up. I know how immigration works. That's not how it works. So why did they go and pay them and bring him here? What age did Ilhan Omar really come here? I've told you that she was an adult when she got here. She's older than she says she is. That's key. She is way older than she, than she says she is. Her identity is completely fabricated and that's something they could do and they would do with Lutheran Social Services, global Lutheran Social Services in Kenya. This is what they do at the Horn of Africa and West Africa when they're bringing all these migrants here. Most of them don't even, if you look at their birthdays, they're all like January 1st. You know, they're all like typical birthdays. But Omar selected October 4th, so that must be important to her in some way. 10-4, 10-4, you know, that's, that's, that's significant to her in some ways. And you should see how 10-4 works for Al-Shabaab. It's, you know, symbology, symbolism, <laughs> It's always going to be their downfall, man. That's the thing. It's going to be their downfall. For people that have been doing this for a lifetime and looking at patterns and codes and many linguists, they know these little loopholes. They can suss that out right away. You know what's a shame, though, is that private institutions that get federal funding were concealing this. Like, I know that the university from North Dakota that, that had a record was pretty much slow walking providing any of these records. They're super liberal, of course, but they were really slow walking on, on, on providing these records. For me, it's like, just look at who she was living with. Just look at who she was living with. This guy came here and did a degree. He got student loans. He's British, right? How do he do that? He didn't finish his degree. He left after she finished. So what happened? Was she living there with him? Like, or did they pretend to go to university? These are the things we should be asking questions of who are these people that we're putting in. Um, Rashida, she's just a nuts, a, a, a nutcase. 
done. She's just a radical, foaming at the mouth nutcase. She's done. I mean, I tell you, if if I could, if I was President Trump, I'd be like, are you leaving? Okay, bye. And then when she tries to come in, it's like, yeah, so we're questioning your citizenship because your parents were supposedly, you know, in South America, Central America, and then you came here. I want to know how you got American citizenship if they had originally gotten South American citizenship. So it's a little bit confusing. So we just want to investigate your record, please. So why don't you stay here at the airport in the cell? Give us your shoelaces and we'll talk in a little bit. That's what they should be doing to all of these clowns. These uh, new, you know, whatever. I'm not going to talk about Ocasio. She's just nuts. And she was slotted in so that Pelosi can keep her hammer. We all know how that works, right? So we need to keep our eyes and ears open now with the Senate impeachment. What they're doing is profound. Uh, it is a novel. It is uh, unprecedented. Uh, aside from the fact that they keep saying, oh, we have precedent. No, you have precedent on criminal stuff. There's no crimes here. So before we get into Schiff and give a little overview on who is little Schiffy, um, Schiffity, Schiff, Schiff, um, I'm going to play his clip. Gosh, he's such a liar, isn't he? He's a super liar. Like he can lie. But I, you know, if I was Schiff and they had me on camera abusing a little boy and, you know, having sex with a little boy and then he dies because, you know, Ed Bach gave him too much math at a hotel and that was on video. And I'm just saying if, if, right. And if I had like given away so many taxpayer dollars to, uh, you know, the Ukraine to, you know, make these make-believe blimps to M. 16s to throwing me parties, throwing them parties, you know, and then unseal Epstein is coming. Boy, boy, boy. Prince Andrew, he's not going to talk to the FBI, please, please. He's not going to talk to the FBI. We all know he's not going to talk to the FBI. Anyone thinking that he's going to talk to the FBI is a chump. He's not going to talk to the FBI. But Schiff, 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 he is a liar. That's basically it. I like this song. He's actually a very bad liar. Right? Super bad liar. Super bad liar. Oh, hush, my dear, it's been a difficult year. Terrorists don't pray on innocent victims. Trust me, darling. Trust me, darling. Diamond ring. 
We don't believe him, though, because this is the type of stuff he says. How can you? Take that as a threat. I think it's intended to be. Um, But look, it is going to be very difficult for some of these senators to stand up to this president. It really is. It's just no question about it. And and I I want to acknowledge that. Um, And I don't want to acknowledge it in a way that is is um, uh, offensive to them. Mm But I do want to speak candidly about it. Um, And if this weren't an issue, there wouldn't be an issue about calling witnesses. If we can't even get the senators to agree to call witnesses in a trial, it shows you just how difficult that moral courage is. I made the argument. Moral courage. Moral courage. He's got to have some really big cojones to be saying that stuff. Now, um, thank you, Mike, who, by the way, has his birthday today. Just DM me uh, breaking news that four people were wounded in a shooting outside of a courthouse in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And the shooter was reportedly seen fleeing the scene in a stolen car. So that's a story that's developing right now. Um, And he's a Muslim convert (laughs) i mean come on oh omar 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 um before we uh just give a really short biography of you know unofficial and i've done this before on adam schiff um i want to play a clip that the president retweeted of dan bongino talking about how they're asking for details i want you to listen 
Former New York City cop. Dan, the, the breaking news is uh, somehow the New York Times got their hands on a copy of John Bolton's manuscript that's going to be turned into a book very shortly, coming out uh, March 17th, available on Amazon. Uh, apparently, it says Bolton was told Trump wanted to continue freezing money to Ukraine until they helped with uh, probes of the Bidens. But we heard him say in the transcript he wanted uh, President Zelensky to look into the Bidens and what happened in 2016. So is this a, is this a big, big, big story? <laughs> Listen, this is like uh, the biggest box of air popcorn you've ever seen. It's like you ordered something from Amazon, a brand new computer, and the box arrives and you're all excited. And you're digging through the air popcorn and you get to the bottom and you find out you're looking at the bottom of the box and there's no computer. There is nothing here. I can prove it to you. Buried in this story, in the New York Times own story, is a line that this conversation about holding up aid, right. which was paid out, by the way, legally before the deadline, a fact that will never change. But, you know, facts get in the way of Adam Schiff's stories. Um, buried in the story, it says, oh, yeah, and, and this conversation happened right around the time President Trump got back from this meeting. Well, they leave the date out. Well, Steve, why do you think they would leave the date out the mm. times? Well, because they're the slimes and they don't want entrepreneurial people like me to figure out that the date was August 18th. Well, why is that significant? Because the Ukrainians didn't even find out for another basically two weeks that the aid was even on hold. So, Steve, follow me here. So this is supposed to be some big, huge pressure campaign against the Ukrainians. Deliver on Biden or no aid. And yet this conversation happened before the Ukrainians even knew the aid was held up. Do you understand the New York Times annihilated its own story? And they just didn't expect that people would actually read because some of their liberal readers, I guess they can't. But yeah, it's a dumb story. But, but There's absolutely nothing here. I'm not a lawyer. I've never tried a case. But I imagine if you're the Trump team, you have to put in to the scenario that the president was wanting an investigation into what happened with the Bidens in 2016. That should be part of the explanation as opposed to the perfect call. I just wanted to root out corruption. So it's a subtlety. But do you believe, Dan, too, that it also fuels those who say Bolton wants to testify. And if you don't feel as though you said anything wrong to him, do you think it's harder to rationalize not having him as a witness? Listen, I'm going to throw this out there. Testify to what? What? I brought this up with Griff Jenkins this weekend. I'm not kidding. Testify to what, Brian? I'll you. There I'll are immutable you. facts here. Immutable facts, okay? Number one, the aid was delivered before the September 30th mm -hmm. deadline. That is a fact. It is a fact. Number two, there's no crime here. And not only that, Brian, there are no victims either. Who's the victim? I ask Oh, remember what I said? You can't make a claim where no relief can be given on who's the victim. What's the loss? Nothing, right? We talked about this. <laughs> it's like, this is what they're doing. But let me tell you something. Perry, Perry was awesome. Perry was awesome. This is why he's in California and he's going to get stuff. Perry was awesome because he leaked to them that there was a conversation. He set it all up. Guys, you are looking at... <laughs> so... I will be careful how I say this now, but when you've been working with people that work in a certain way that are corrupt, you know their antics. It's kind of like when you go undercover, right? When you go undercover, 
right? When you're covertly entering a circle of people, right? Sometimes you're, you're, you're part of those people and then, you know, you're still part of those people, but you're just like, okay, uh, and while everyone's drinking, I'm not, and I'm going to see what everybody is doing and I'm going to remember for them. And, you know, once you realize that you're rolling with the wrong group, it's kind of like, you know, when someone's like, yeah, let's go war. And then you're just like in the middle of the battlefield and you're like, wait a minute, I'm on the wrong side. Um, because the good guys wouldn't be raping children. I'm just saying they wouldn't be negotiating organs to be harvested from children. They wouldn't be selling out human beings, right? You, you, suddenly, you're just like, whoa, wrong side. What do I do? Let me run. If you can run, that's when you become, you know, um, Flo Joe, right? And you're just suddenly, wind's behind you and you're gone. But there's times that you can't run. And the only thing you can do is wait patiently. And when you wait patiently, you learn their ways. Kind of like... When you're going undercover, you know, for, you know, NYPD and you're, you know, hanging out in the crack den and they're like, here, take a hit. And you're like, shoot, I want to do crack. And you're like, damn, if I don't do it, they'll know. So you like pretend to inhale, but you know, you inhale some and you know, you're just like, oh, but you know their ways, you know how they spark it, you know how what pipes they use, you know what food they order when they get the munchies, you know what soap they use to wash their clothes. I'm just saying, you know everything about them. So when it's time to trap them, you just make it look like, you, like, like the way that they would expect it to go when one of their own supposedly flips. Because these people were one of their own. Unlike Mattis, that was very one of their own. And I talked about that. Theranos was a dead giveaway. Um, what if they think that you're one of their own and you're pretending to be one of their own, but you're really the good guy. So then you kind of like tell them stuff and then you get fired. So they're like definitely one of our own. Just saying. Again, I don't like Bolton. Right. He scares me, not because, you know, he smells or whatever. He scares me because what he did in Central America was insane, efficient, but insane. Something that could have been done another way, but he is hardcore. Boom, done. No dilly dallying. He's the guy that'll be like, I don't care. We're ripping off all the band-aids at once. And you're like, don't you want to come down? And so the skin's not inflamed. Nope. All of them. You really think he's going to write a book that's going to take down the nation that he was ripping band-aids off in the most horrible way that probably has nightmares about the way he ripped off band-aids? Well, I'm hoping he has nightmares. Uh, you know, he's he's he was good at his job. You think the president would then say, yeah, go ahead, write a book. These people are sick. But as you can see, they're the ones that are stupid. So they've fallen into it. Now they're so far into it, they can't get out. But more witnesses? Mm. Drift this this weekend. Oh, the Ukraine. They say the Ukrainians. Really? Can you produce a Ukrainian who said they were pressured? There's no victims. If you can prove to me otherwise, I'll come on the air tomorrow and correct myself. Where are the Ukrainian victims? The answer is there aren't any. And fact number three, I got to do it again. Here's the article about Democrat collusion in Ukraine. Ukrainian efforts to sabotage Trump backfire. So we know the aid was delivered, there are no victims, there are no crime, and the Democrats' corruption in Ukraine is real. 
Produce a witness for what? What is Bolton going to say? Dan, what gonna... of one of those four things can he refute? The answer is none of it. But when you have someone who worked in the administration, who sat you know, next to the president, had close relationship with him, and now he's saying that the president did do that, isn't that going to force some of those Republicans that are on the fence to say, hey, we need some, we need to hear from him? Yeah, only if you're a weak need. Only if you're a weak need. And only if you're corrupt. Remember that only if you're corrupt will you want to hear from witnesses and ask for more. I'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. God bless.